Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show, built by Par Lumber. When it comes to big or small projects around the home, Tony and Corey have got the know-how and the answers to make your life just a bit easier. Here they are, your Weekend Warriors, Tony and Corey. Welcome to the Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show, built by Par Lumber. I'm Corey Valdez. I'm Tony Cookston. Thanks for tuning in with us today. We've got another great show lined up for you. You know, Tony, today we're going to talk about some of the biggest mistakes that DIYers make. Yeah. And I, we know a lot about this subject because we have made tons <laughs> and tons of mistakes. We have definitely made our share. You don't make the <laughs> mistakes if you don't take the risk. And we're not trying to dissuade you from taking the risk. In fact, we're trying to encourage you to take the risk, but a calculated risk. And with some of the information that we can share from our mistakes, we can help you be more successful on the first go around. Yeah, hopefully. Hopefully. So, yeah, over the years of... Uh, all of the things Tony and I have worked on on our homes together and apart. I mean, we've we've just learned so many things of what not to do. And uh, we, we just want to share that information with you today. Yeah, they're big things and small things. Some uh, small things add up to be bigger things. but um, They can. But it, it's important to learn from them. And something that I, I've always realized, you learn from the mistakes that you make. Um, more than you learn from the mistakes that other people make. This is true. <laughs> when Corey comes over to my house and I'm showing him a project that I recently completed and he's like, oh, I might not have done it that way. <laughs> I might have done it a different way. Uh, at that moment, he's not learning anything and I'm learning everything because I'm because I am forced to face uh, the reality that I didn't necessarily do it the right way. And so, but I'll learn from that. And then the next time I do that and, and it does those projects, it's not one project in a lifetime, right? That, that same project comes back to you over and over. Yeah, no, it absolutely does. If you live in a house long, long enough and you've done a project that you were new on or didn't fully understand and you learned a lot along the way and it comes back around, and you need to, say, remodel that kitchen again years down the road, you're going to be looking at all of those things that you did back then and said, oh, man, I or believe I did that. Or a very good friend of yours that is now taking on the same project calls for your help because you've been through it. You can help them avoid some of the mistakes that you made. So this is a very helpful, timely show. And, um, and the number one thing that we want to make sure – you don't take away from it. <laughs> it would be a huge mistake for you to take away from this that we're trying to tell you not to not to tackle projects. That's not what we're saying. Instead, tackle them with more information than you might have if you hadn't. Would you say that that is the single biggest mistake that DIRs, DIYers make is to not even try? Yes, that is the number one biggest mistake. Staying on your couch and not tackling the project yourself. Look, a lot of people are not cut out for DIY, DIY projects. Yeah, <laughs> do-it-yourself, uh, home remodel type stuff. But if you fancy yourself a remodel type, uh, sorry, a DIY type person, or you just want to at least dip your toe, then uh, you definitely should. And you won't ever know unless you try. 
Yeah, no, that's a good, good way to put it because, uh, like you said, if you don't try, you'll never learn. Another really big mistake uh, that that is very common is not utilizing your resources. There are resources all around you. The building material supply, wherever you go to get the things that you need to do your project, that is full of professionals that will give you free advice, but you have to ask for it. So asking for help and advice uh, is one way to really help you succeed in your project and not asking, of course, mistake. Yeah, you know, I think a lot of people get embarrassed. You know, they walk into a store, they walk into, say, Par Lumber, and they say, oh, man, I don't, I don't know the lingo, or I don't know what to ask for so that, so that I sound ridiculous or something. You know, a lot of people think that way. And, you know, just so you know, Tony and I have done several shows, several episodes of this show on Lumberyard lingo. So, you know, hopefully we can help you out. Yeah. Be able to go in and talk confidently about certain things. And at the very least, you can watch our YouTube channel. You can go watch some of that stuff and give you some more confidence. So anyway, let's jump into the list. Yeah. Yeah. The very first thing on the list is uh, the, the title here of this first mistake is skipping inspections. But it really encompasses a much larger group of things. And that is jumping into um, um, a project or let's just say this. How about buying a new home? Oh, yeah. You think about buying a new home and you're very excited and you have a list of things that you want to make sure that home provides for you. And you have a list of things maybe that you're trying to stay away from, but you're willing to compromise some things if the house is really beautiful or it's really what you think you want. You're willing to compromise in some areas. We're here to tell you that to be very careful of the things that you compromise on or in the areas that you compromise. Because when you're buying a house and you aren't concerned with the costs that are going to be associated with keeping it in really good shape, right? Just straight up maintenance. The roof needs to be replaced or there's no insulation in the attic. These types of things. And you think, well, that's something I can handle. Sure, that is something you can handle, but it shouldn't come at a cost to you. If you're buying a house and it's inspected properly the way it should be, then these things should come to light and those costs should either be reduced from the sale price of the house or at the very least it should be fixed before you get in. Sure, you can handle it and if you want to handle it, you need to make sure that you don't have to pay for it. Well, yeah, I mean, that's a good, I guess a a good wish, you know, that you could try, but not always. You know, you might be in a really hot seller's market and... You go into a house and there's 10 other bids and you say, no contingencies. I'm just going to buy it. I'm going to pay 50,000 more than you're even asking for it. That, that is a reality sometimes. And what I would say to, to your point is that get those inspections, but know what you're getting into. You know, don't, don't skip out on an inspection, even if, you know, whatever. I'd say, I say never go into a house with no contingencies. Always get an inspection. Always. And get a very comprehensive inspection. Know what you're getting into. Too many times people get into houses and they look at something and say, oh, that's that's minor. Don't listen to the real estate agent either. <laughs> in, in my experience, unless you really trust them. But, you know, a real estate agent is there to sell a house. They don't necessarily know what 
something costs to fix. There's another great point you just made. You didn't even realize it. If you're going into a big purchase or a big project, you need to surround yourself with people that you trust. So operate on referrals. Find a realtor that's worked with someone that you know and someone who can be trusted. That way, you don't have to ask that question going in, and you can listen to what they have to say, and you can trust that they're not leading you astray. Not utilizing referrals is a huge DIY mistake. Yeah. All right, we got to take a quick break. When we come back, more DIY or remodeling mistakes, the biggest ones. You're listening to Tony Core, your Weekend Warriors. We'll be right back. Hey, welcome back to the Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show. Thanks for staying with us. You know, Tony, I said something in the first segment. I want to I want to clarify. I'm not I said I think I said, don't trust your real estate agent. <laughs> and that's not really what I meant. I mean, when you're buying a home and you know, your real estate agent, you're and you know the type of person when you're walking through a home and you say, "Man, you know, this roof is in really bad shape." No, it's fine. Sure, oh, sure. that's that's a very inexpensive fix. Well, we know they're out there. No yeah, question. those those sorts of people, and not maybe not even meaning it in a bad way, you know. But when it all comes down to it, a real estate agent is there to sell the house. And if you're nitpicking it, I've had real estate agents tell me, "Oh, that's sh- that's not that that's not a thing," you know. You don't you you shouldn't ask for that because, you know that that. You, you shouldn't. That's not covered. You'll be laughed. You'll be laughed right out of the deal. Yeah, yeah you don't I mean, want to say that. I've had people say that to me, and and whatever. And you have to understand going into a project. If you get an inspection and it says, "Hey, this roof needs to be replaced," I think you should be fully aware of how much it's going to cost you moving forward. Even if it doesn't get taken off the sell price of the house, you should at least know that you're buying this house for three hundred fifty thousand dollars or four hundred thousand dollars. And you need to spend $20,000 within the next couple of years to replace the entire roof. Or, you know, the, the crawl space floods all the time. Or the, the furnace is going to go out soon. You know what I mean? You can't, you don't have a magic eight ball. But at least when you look at it and you say, man, this, this uh, wiring in this house is de- defective. It's, and it has to be fixed. I think you just, just don't go into a house thinking, oh, I'll deal with that later. Unless you're ready for it. So that's my only... Right. Well, you mitigate the concern about listening to your real estate agent if you're working with a real estate agent that you can trust and you know that going into the job. Look, that's that's your number one thing. That's, that's what you should be doing. You, you, gone are the days when you open up the yellow pages and find a real estate agent with the biggest ad and just hire them. You hire real estate agents that can that that have worked with someone that you know and have a reputation for being trustworthy and honest and and that's what you do. Corey and I know exactly who we would call and uh, and we would move through that entire project without any 
question at all. So that's really, I feel like, where you were leaning. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly. I didn't want to sound like you don't trust your real estate agent. (laughs) Came out bad. Yeah. You were not trying to say that real estate agents are not trustworthy. That's not what you meant to say at all. Totally. Anyway, problem number two, biggest mistake number two, uh, ignoring potentially expensive problems. And this kind of goes along with the same thing we just talked about, that if you're jumping in to a project, you know, and you see somebody has like a, like a house flip, you know, you hear these nightmare stories of somebody going in and bought a house flip where they've came in, come in and put, you know, new snap click flooring and, you know, new tile and it looks amazing but behind is what's a can of worms and i fell into this i the last house that i bought you know this tony because we spent a hundred thousand dollars replacing it after a flood but the can of worms behind all of this really nice looking remodel that had happened was tremendous so and you won't be able to see all of those things um, but you should be on the lookout for them. That's what you're saying. Don't ignore it. Uh, if it's there and there's some questions in your mind, yeah, ask those questions. Uh, you know, just don't be, ah. because here's the thing. Some of the things um, are not going to be expensive, right? The flip side of what you were just saying is the next item, not thinking big picture, Right. If you're walking through a house and trying to decide whether or not you should buy it and you're saying, I don't really like the paint color on the walls or the carpet in the master bedroom is not really the color I would choose or something along those lines. Well, those aren't big, expensive items that you would want to stand in the way of getting the house that you want. So having an idea of what a potential project would cost you, like you were mentioning earlier, and don't let those smaller expenses stand in the way of the big picture, which is the house that has the number of bedrooms that you want, or it's a single story house, not a two story, or there's plenty of bathrooms. The kitchen is really big. Um, Those important things, um, you wouldn't want, you wouldn't want something small to stand in the way of getting what you want. Or like something big, like a huge electrical problem. You know, if you get an inspection and the inspector goes, man, this this knob and tube wiring, and it all has to come out. And you say, "Nah, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna worry about that. I'm gonna remodel the kitchen anyway." <laughs> you know what I mean? You don't want to ignore those big, huge problems or a cracked foundation or something. You know, you go in knowing that the foundation is cracked and it can't support your house and it's sinking away, and you're <laughs> like, "Yeah, I'm just gonna put new flooring in. It'll hide it." <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Well, yeah, I see that all too often where people just try and. Put lipstick on it and make it look nice, and uh, you're ignoring the more expensive problem. Right, yeah. Uh, Another big picture item, like we just mentioned a minute ago, finding uh, finding someone to work with that you get on on a by a referral. Contractors are the same way. You want to make sure that you're utilizing uh, your relationships and the people that you know who have used people in the past, and um, and utilize those people in order to give you your best opportunity of being successful going forward. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And talking about referrals and contractors, I'll, I'll give you an example. Um, we did a remodel job and we had to get granite or solid surface countertops. We got a bid for said solid surface countertops. 
And it came in at like $15,000. And we were like, holy cow. And then we got another bid. And they were like $18,000. And we're like, oh, man, maybe this is the price. And we got two other bids. And they came in at half of that. Same product. Same outcome. And it was, and we got it done. And it looks fantastic. Right. So you should always, I think that's another mistake, always get multiple bids. Don't just go with the first person who says, yeah, I can do it. Give me half the money now. <laughs> yeah. Well, going along with that same thing, you were saying that you, the the countertop that you quoted was apples to apples, right? You had, you were quoting apples to apples and you were getting two different prices, one really big and one really small. Well, uh, communicating with the contractor that you've chosen about the products that you want to use or with the building material supplier that's uh, supplying you with the material that you want to use, make sure that you understand what they're telling you about the product that you they're quoting, right? There are so many products out there that look as good as another product, maybe even look the same as another product, but that doesn't mean they're manufactured the same way or that their warranty is the same length or that they're going to perform the same way. Yeah. So having the conversation about the product, understanding what it does for you, what it's supposed to do for you, what you want it to do, just don't shortcut those conversations with the people that you trust that can tell you whether this is the product you want or not. Well, and you make a good point because just like I said, comparing something apple to apples to apples isn't necessarily as easy as just saying is this apples to apples? You know, are you going to be able to look at somebody's contract and bid and say to yourself confidently, they're bidding the exact same thing? I get it all the time where I'll give someone a material list for their house or or project, and it will come in at whatever price, and they'll tell me, oh, so-and-so, you know, beat you by $20,000. Yeah. I mean, it's, you're thinking, there's no way. There is zero possibility that that could happen. Are you sure? And then nine times out of 10, you go through the list with them and it's not apples to apples. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's, it is difficult. You need to have those conversations, especially if you get a really low price that you need to do your due diligence to make sure that you're getting what you think you're getting. Yeah, absolutely. It's so important. And there are a lot of hidden things inside there and a lot of questions that need to be asked. When we come back, we're going to talk about, uh, making sure that your project is the right project to do uh, and at the right time. You're listening to Tony Corey, Your Week in Warriors. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show, built by Par Lumber. Now, here's Tony and Corey. Hey, welcome back to the Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show. Thanks for staying with us. If you haven't already, go check out our Facebook and Instagram pages. We are at WW Home Show. Make sure you like and follow us there. Uh, if you go check out our YouTube channel, it's youtube.com forward slash WW Home Show. Uh, make sure you follow us there and you can watch all of our new videos we post. If you listen to this show or any portion of this show and you missed it, you can go listen to us uh, wherever you listen to your podcast. And you can subscribe to that. We upload those all the time. So uh, go check that out. If you ever want to email us, we get lots of emails and comments and questions. 
uh, feel free to do that. We are weekendwarriors at par.com. That's P-A-R-R.com. Today we're talking about biggest mistakes that DIYers make. And before the break, Tony, you mentioned what? Yeah, I think I'm going to title it like this. Uh, failing to prioritize want versus need in a project, right? You're looking at a project that you want to do, that you want to do, and it's probably not the only project. Maybe there's a project that you need to do or a project that will ultimately save you money down the road. Um, a primary example would be, Corey, if if you want to replace the cabinets and countertops in your kitchen because they're not updated and they're not pretty or you know, maybe they're not as functional as you want them to be. I mean, that's definitely a quality of life thing. And I get it. Everybody does it. I did it. You did it right. It's something that needs to be done mm-hmm. or it's something that you want to do, but you wouldn't prioritize that over replacing a faulty or old furnace, for example, or um, refusing to, or choosing not to, or neglecting the lack of insulation that's in your crawl space or in your attic. These are things that will ultimately save you money, making your home more efficient. And so choosing um, a good return on your investment and choosing a project that will make your home more efficient should be prioritized over something that makes it more pretty or even more functional, in my opinion. That's a good opinion. Not always, you know, acceptable in most people's eyes, you know, because they don't want to, they don't want to use a dumpy bathroom or a dumpy kitchen they want something nice and new at maybe even forego something absolutely necessity but i would say along those lines that if it's a safety issue then definitely don't forego that first like we keep talking about bad electricity or you know having some sort of gas hazard you know in a house maybe old pipes that are have lead in them or something. You know what I mean? Don't forego those sorts of things if they are bad for your health. Mold spores growing in your crawl space. Totally. Leaky roof. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, yeah, that's the, I, I, I get that. I agree with that. Safety issues are uh, a priority for sure. Uh, definitely over replacing your countertops, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Um, but it, it helps to, it helps to determine how the cost that you're going to incur will affect you down the road. And so finding projects that will save you money um, are a good starting point if you have a lot of projects that you're facing. Yeah. Well, which leads us to my next biggest mistake is not considering a home's long-term needs. You know, you buy into a house as, say, a first-time homeowner. This happens a lot. You don't think about long term. You don't think about having kids or you don't think about having pets or you don't think about the maintenance that's going to go into that home down the road. That is a big mistake. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Especially the growth of your family, right? Considering the growth of your family. (laughs) Corey, when I built the house that I'm living in today, right? That we, we believed that we were on a five-year plan. We chose a home that was kind of a base model home and we chose a, a piece of property that was 
inexpensive for a lot of different reasons. And we were like, well, you know, we're going to build this little home and we're going to be in it for five years. And then we're going to move on to something that will offer us more what we want. Uh uh That, Corey, was almost 20 years ago. (laughs) And so, you know, if you don't consider your long-term needs, um, you, you may find yourself stuck in a situation that is not really where you want to be. That was, you know, we moved into the house, built the house and moved in in 2006. And then we all know what happened in 2008. Yeah. Right. True. true. And so here we were, you know, in this house and our five-year plan went out, out the window. Uh, But ultimately we were able to make some big changes to the house later that, that helped it to fit our need. And uh, it's pretty great now. And, and, uh, and here we are still in it. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, considering long-term needs is, is very important. That is definitely not considering them is a big DIY mistake. Big mistake. Uh, next one on my list is not hiring professionals for non-DIY jobs. And I keep saying it. I don't know how many times I'm going to say this, but, <laughs> you know, electrical, plumbing, sheetrock. Sheetrock? I mean, I already know how you feel about sheetrock. I hate sheetrock. There are things that professionals are just almost required. You know, I mean, I'll replace light switches and lights and plugs and those sorts of things. But when it really comes down to doing something up to code and it is the uh, the matter of having it sa- done safely or not, or th- something that could potentially cause a fire, you don't want to do that. You don't want to put yourself in that situation. So the stuff that needs... A, the, a professional for hire a professional. You're either going to do it correctly the first time. Yeah, I mean sheetrock is uh, is a primary um, example of that, specifically because there's not a lot of danger there. You know, you can replace sheetrock, tape, mud, and texture without really putting anybody in any danger. But I'll tell you what, the drywall in your home is visible to every single person that walks in the house and they will notice every blemish, every crack, every rise or weird conglomeration of texture in one spot because you couldn't uh, put it on evenly. There's just a lot about that. And take it from me, um, I've taken on sheetrock projects. And while I got them done and... They don't look great, <laughs> and it did, and it didn't. It didn't put anybody in danger. Uh, I see it all the time. I see it, and I say, "Ugh, you know, how much money did I really save by doing that myself?" Yeah, and that's uh, going back to that. That's one of those projects. That's, yeah, like you said, it's not very. It's not that it's not safe. It's just that sheetrock is one of those things. There's there's two things in my uh, history that I just won't do: sheetrock and insulation, because sheetrockers are so good at their job, and they're fast, efficient. And they make it look easy when in reality it's not. <laughs> you might be a very good sheetrocker and that's great. Go do it yourself. But in my experience, you're way better off paying somebody, a professional sheetrocker to come in and do your project. And number two, insulation. How much insulation did you do yourself before you realized you didn't ever want to do it again? Very little. <laughs> and here's the thing. I have, I have a friend who built a house and to save money. He went out and bought all his own insulation, and he insulated his own house. The whole thing. You know, his 2,500-square-foot house, he insulated everything. Attic, roof, you know, 
crawl space, walls, you name it, he did it. And it took him weeks and weeks to get it done. And when he compared the price of what he paid for the insulation and the bid that he got from the insulators, who would have gotten it done in two days, <laughs> it was very little price difference. And the, the reason is because these insulators, they buy insulation at huge bulks, way faster. And they have special machinery for doing this work. So, I mean, in my experience, don't insulate yourself unless it's a really small project. Yeah. Well, insulation, while it doesn't seem super complicated, boy, oh boy, is it labor intensive. And it takes a toll on your body on top of that. Oh, yeah. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've had to have my eyes flushed because I had fiberglass in my eyes because I couldn't keep my hands off of them. We got to take another quick break. When we come back, more DIY mistakes don't go away. You're listening to the Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show, built by Par Lumber. Now, here's Tony and Corey. Hey, welcome back to the Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show. Thanks for staying with us. Today, we're talking about the biggest DIY mistakes that people make. And the next one on my list, Tony, is, this is a big one, failing to check with your neighborhood association if you have one to to make sure that it falls within those rules and regulations if you have ccnrs if you have a neighborhood association or if you even have um in your community or township or city or whatever there's a lot of rules and guidelines that you have to follow sometimes sometimes you don't yeah but sometimes you do and i'm not just talking about permits I'm talking about if you live in a neighborhood that has CCNRs, they they can tell you what color you can paint your house. They can tell you whether or not you can build a fence on your property that's taller than four foot. They can tell you what sort of roofing you can use. They can tell you what your front door has to look like. That's right. Sometimes. Yeah, they can tell you, yeah, your, your front door cannot be black or you can't have a window in your front door. Right. It's a, it's a legal battle that you probably don't want to get into uh, and that you'll probably lose. You know, if you live in a neighborhood that has very strong, strict CCNRs and you don't approach them with a project and you just get it done, they can win. They will take you to court, they will win, and you will lose tons of money. I actually had, I know someone who re-roofed their entire house. The neighborhood association says you have to use cedar shingles. Have to. There's no ifs, ass, and buts. The neighborhood says you have to use cedar shingles. They're like, I'm not doing that. Re-roofed the whole house. With composition? Composition roof and paid somebody $20,000 to put, you know, tear off all the old shingles, put down sheathing over top of the skip sheathing, put down new shingles. Looked beautiful. CCNR said, tear it off. He's like, I'm not tearing it off. And they said, yeah, you will. It was a fight. They took him to court. He lost. Oh, no. And he had to put cedar shingles on. Actually, just put them on right over top of the composition roofing. That is a worst case scenario. Oh, yeah. I mean, your roof costs 
forty, fifty thousand dollars instead of you know twenty, twenty five. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, crazy. So that's a big mistake. I feel. Yeah. Well, I agree. Uh, you definitely want to know because you sign a contract when you buy a house, and there is a lot of legal jargon in there, and uh, you may not even realize that it's the case. Uh, so, yeah, understanding um, all of those things it goes right back to working with a realtor that you trust or a mortgage broker that you trust, people that will have that information and will share it with you and not gl- gloss over it, yeah. right? Just make sure you're reading the paperwork, you know, in that that particular neighborhood. I actually grew up in Flint, Michigan, and there's an area of Flint, Michigan called Carriage Town. It's a, uh, a very, you know, it's the, the older part of town, and it's historic, and all of the houses that are in it are part of a historical registry. So if you buy a home in Carriage Town, you're required by the city to maintain it using original building type materials. Like if you bought an old house with old wooden windows and they were all rotted to heck and you said, well, I got to replace all the windows. I'm just going to put vinyl in. The city could say no. Yeah. You have to put wood windows in there. And you just, so historical registry houses, just, you know, be prepared, be ready for that. Yeah. I'll tell you what, the next one is a good one, and I want to clarify. It says not uh, one of the biggest remodel mistakes, not seeking advice from friends. Corey, this is what this doesn't say. It doesn't say not seeking help from friends. So the fact that you call me every time you have a project is not because it's the right thing to do. You see what I'm saying? Right. You are not just justified by expecting that your best friend will be there to help you with your project. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> Not seeking advice from friends is a really good one. We've actually touched on this. We talked about it here in this show. Um, but this is actually, you made a really good point with me um, between segments. Uh, you said that contacting or, or making contact with your neighbors, if you've got a project that you're planning to do at your home, Um, A lot of times the neighbors around your home will have homes similar to yours, made with similar materials. They might have been through a similar situation. So getting out and contacting your neighbors to find out what they've seen uh, in their home could really open your eyes to a lot of things if you're planning a project. Plus, you know, it gives you an opportunity to get to know your neighbors a little bit. Have you been in the homes of any of your neighbors here? Absolutely. Yeah, several of them. I know we, we've carried some furniture for for one of your neighbors, at least. Yes, we have. Yeah. Um, but no, you make a good point, because talking to your friends and neighbors, most of the people that I've gotten to work on my house, have I've gotten from neighbors, and most of the people that work on my neighbor's houses, they've gotten from me. Oh, yeah, yeah. So it really makes asking for advice, you know, useful. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh not using your friends, <laughs> uh, both advice and help, uh, huge remodel mistake. The right friends, though. Right. I mean, there are some friends that you don't want to have over, right? <laughs> they, they, they slow down the work yeah. process. They show up first thing in the morning and say, where's the pizza? Yeah. 
<laughs> I was promised beer. Yeah, choosing. So that maybe should be remodel mistake, you know, number 19. Choose the right choose friend. Choose the right friend to help you <laughs> and take advice from. Don't choose the wrong friend. Yeah. All right, here's some other big mistakes. Setting an unrealistic budget. Now, we've talked about this on this show many, many times. And in my experience, setting a budget is very difficult if you've never done it before or or done a specific project before. And the best thing that I could say is to just soak up as much knowledge as you can about that project before you dive into it. You know, watch tons of YouTube videos or, you know, just do tons of research on the types of products and different things that go into doing that project. For instance, something small like replacing a door, you know, just replacing an entry door if you want to do that. There's a lot of things required to replace an entry door than just buying the door. You know, you have to buy um, caulking or, you know, a sill pan or new trim and new this or, or whatever, you know. Just think about those things and, and go research before you create that budget. Because if you go in and say, well, I can replace my door for 500 bucks. Well, there might be $300 more in other stuff that you don't own or need to do that project. Right. And the bigger the project, the bigger that margin grows. You know, if you, if you want to do a $20,000 bathroom remodel yourself, you might need $5,000 in other things that aren't even in your budget that you don't even know about. Right. I'll tell you what, every time I have contemplated a project uh, and I've started thinking about it, right? At first, it starts out as a grand idea. I've got, I want to use this and I want to look like that. And I want to make these, these changes and do this stuff. It always starts out really good. And then you start to do the research on every little thing. And then you go back and you visit. Like, let's say you're going to remodel your master closet, right? Mm -hmm. And you're standing in your master closet every morning as you're getting dressed and you're thinking, man, this is... This is not right. I wish this wasn't here. And I wish I had this thing. And and you think about that. And then you go to the internet or you go to the building material supply. You go to your friends or, you know, you talk to a contractor and you, you get some information. And then you go back and you look at that closet again. And then suddenly you start to see things you weren't seeing before. And then you ask more questions. And then you go back to the, to the project and you see more things. The more times you go back and forth between the information that you're gathering and the situation that you're in, the more efficient you will be working through that project and the more prepared you will be for the things that you could potentially uncover once you start working in there. Right. Well, and it all comes down to, you know, asking friends for help too, asking friends for advice. If they've ever, you know, especially if you know somebody has ever done a project uh, like what you want to do, you know, if somebody, you know, has done, a uh, a project like that and there's so yeah there's lots of things you forgot here in your budget and there's so many different ways to do it it's it's most of these projects are not cut and dried right there's so many different avenues you can go this way and you can go this way you can change this or not use that or do this twice and so trying to open your eyes up to all of the possibilities uh, will allow you to save some money and avoid some mistakes. So I would just say, don't rush the creative process prior to starting demo, right? right? 
create a spreadsheet. The easiest write thing everything to do down. is to start demo, right? <laughs> so just don't rush it. We got to take another quick break. When we come back, more DIY mistakes don't go away. Hey, welcome back to the Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show, built by Par Lumber. I'm Corey Valdez. And I'm Tony Cookston. Thanks for staying with us today. We're talking about the biggest DIY mistakes that people make, and uh, or the biggest mistakes DIYers make. And we're getting into some pretty good mistakes. And <laughs> honestly, we've made most of these. And uh, just moving forward, I, during the break, Tony, I was telling Tony, how my brother-in-law called me and he wanted to tear down a shop that he has in his backyard. He lives in California and he's got a shop back there and he's like, I want to tear it down and just build a new structure on top of it. Well, it's sitting on a, it's sitting on a concrete pad. Right, right. It's like a 20, let's just call it 20 by 40. It's like a 20 by 40 concrete slab with a shop. A, he called it a pole building sitting on top of it. And he said, can I just tear that down and build a new structure? And I said, well, I don't think so. Because if you build a structure on something, you'd have to have enough concrete mass underneath it, i.e. foundation, to be able to support the weight of said structure. Right. So after going back and forth with him, he had to completely change directions. And he, he almost made a big mistake, you know, not getting the city involved. And finding out later on that he cost himself a lot more money than he needed to. Because he was ready to go out there and tear that building down under the assumption that he was going to be able to replace it with another building. Right. But it turned out that the building that's on there is a very lightweight compared to what he was going to replace it with. And that pad that it's sitting on may not be um, equipped to handle the weight of the wood building that he wanted to build on. Right. So he's going he's gonna to get some more answers before he moves forward, thank goodness, because if he'd have tore it down, he'd be without, he'd be without anything. Yeah. So anyway, that kind of goes back to the uh, asking for advice, talking to people that know more than you, uh, and at least raising some questions for you to pursue and save money and time down the road. Right. I actually have another situation. You are involved. Oh, am I? You did a remodel on your house several years ago, and you called me up and said, hey, I want to take this wall out. Yeah, that's right. So I want to remove this wall. Just get rid of it. And being that you built in a dare home, I was able to, I sell a dare homes. I was able to pull the plans and look at it, and we could easily determine that the wall that you wanted to remove could not be removed. Right. It was a load-bearing wall. Mm -hmm. So these are just the sorts of things. You know, you jump into a project. Maybe you were, maybe you already swung the hammer and got your saws all out and started cutting. It's just a gigantic mistake that's going to cost you tons of money. Now you're repairing a wall that was just fine prior to <laughs> you tearing the sheetrock off of it, right? And that's expense that's just wasted. Or spend a bunch of money having, uh, you know, the an architect come in and design this kitchen for you. 
you know, utilize not having this wall there, and you've just wasted all that money because you can't do it. Right. So. Yeah, that's uh, that's a really good point. Yes, don't, don't shortchange the time that you spend contemplating the project and all of the ins and outs. Preparation. Yep, preparation is key. The next item on the list, Corey, is underestimating the value of paint. But before you take on a project and start to spend some money on a space that's tired and you're done with it, right? Consider the possibility of spending less money on something as simple as primer and paint and just change the look of the room first um, by by brightening it up or toning it down or switching from something that might be Easter kind of colors to something that's more earthy. 90s pastel. What what you can do with paint sometimes will astound you. And it's a lot less expensive and a lot easier to do than a major project. Yeah. Yep. Does that sound right? Yeah, that's exactly right. Is anybody out there that's listening to us buying that? Probably. (laughs) DIY. (laughs) it's true. DIY and paint goes hand in hand. It's, It's absolutely the truth. Uh, all right, next one on the list is not contemplating the original architectural style. Mm. And I, Tony knows this about me. I do not like mixing tons of different architectural styles together in you know one project. I've we've been to houses before where you know they'll have like Greek revival trim with a super modern kitchen and you know Tuscan you know, bathrooms and just like different styles that all go, don't go together, smash together. Is mixing a bunch of different styles a style? Maybe. (laughs) It's one that I don't like. (laughs) Yeah, that's funny. No, I I get it. We've been in some million dollar homes that could not figure out what they wanted to be. Right. It just didn't carry through the house from one place to another. And I agree with you. um, Being true to uh, your home and the style of home that it was intended to be. If you want to change it, fine, change it all. But if you're just trying to maintain it, then um, then respect the integrity of the home. I agree with that. Yeah. Like, uh, for instance, mid-century modern. Mid-century modern kind of follows a, a certain design aspect. And there's something called transitional, right? Transitional design where you have two different designs or two different architectural uh, things that mesh together very well. Um, so, I, I mean, I'm not an architect and I'm not a designer, but... Frank Lloyd Wright? <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, if, if you go in and have something like that, you wouldn't want to just throw around... Two and a quarter colonial casing. Right. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> no, I hear what you're saying, and that's a really deep, deep um, well of... of information that you we, we could get into the weeds there really good and talk about a lot of stuff but um i agree with you just be true to uh, the style of your home and or at least and, try to at least or at least try to yeah i agree with that all right how about uh the next one sacrificing function for form and what we mean by that is not understanding how you're going to live in that space you know Traffic patterns. You think about when you're remodeling a kitchen and you go to a kitchen. If you've ever gone to a kitchen designer, they talk about the triangle, you know, where 
your stove is in relationship to your sink and your countertops and your prep area and all of those things and how they work together and how much space you need, you know, between the dishwasher and the sink. And you know what I mean? You wouldn't want to put your dishwasher on the other side of the kitchen. Right. Just because it's convenient. Right. You'd want it near your sink. What about this? What about you have a bathroom right in the sort of in the middle of your home and you want to be able to go into the bathroom and add a door to the other side of the bathroom so you can go straight into another part of the house instead of having to walk all the way around yeah well that's idea. that's function right yeah except for the door that you go through opens into a room that's 4 foot by 5 foot and now the door takes up half the room and makes it inefficient inefficient yeah, yeah. because now the door is in the way yeah function over form I mean, I, I feel or like doors I, that I, open into other doors. I and know I've seen that so much; it's terrible. Or doors that open into toilets, and I've seen that so many times. I mean, I will—I've got a really good tip in order to help you avoid that exact thing. As soon as we come back and listen to Tony Corey, your week in words. Hang in there. Hey, welcome back to the Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show. Thanks for staying with us. Today we're talking about the biggest mistakes DIYers make. And Tony, before the break, you had a story. Well, we were talking about uh, sacrificing form for function, right? It would be a lot easier if I could make this change and it would be more efficient for me. But ultimately, in the end, it's going to make a space potentially not um, not as comfortable it was before or not as easy to utilize right right less efficient but um but more functional i get that here's here's one way you can avoid that i've been contemplating a master bedroom bathroom and closet remodel for some time because i want to make sure that i give it all of the attention that it needs and that i understand how everything's going to play out if when it's done so i've been giving it a lot of thought i've drawn it out but drawing it out on paper and then standing there and looking at it and then looking at the paper, that's one thing. But you know what I did? I took it one step further and I got some painter's tape and I taped out on the floor. Where's the new wall going to be? Where's the new door going to be? What size is the door? How far will it open? I put a piece of tape on the floor to, to represent the door when it is open. What is the distance between this door and the next door? Can I fit framing in there? What about my trim? When I when I trim these two doors out, how far apart do they need to be in order to fit trim and still have a sheetrock reveal between them? All of those things, if you were to lay that out in a space where you're going to be working so that you can see it on the floor. We did the exact same thing when you and I built that island for my kitchen. That's Turned right. out great. Loved that island. I, I said to myself, or you said to me maybe, boy, this island is kind of small. Is it really going to be functional? in your kitchen. And I'm like, well, it's the biggest thing we can fit in there uh, and have it, you know, not cramping the space so that we're bumping it as we're walking around. Well, I just taped it out on the floor and we walked around it and we felt this is the way it's going to be. We even ultimately got a box, a cardboard box 
that I refolded and taped up to the exact same size as the island. And I put it in the center of the kitchen and I put plates on it and trays on it so I could get a feel for whether or not it was going to be exactly what I needed before you and I spent weeks and money building that island. And you know what? Turned out great. Absolutely love it. Totally functional. And I did not compromise the form of my kitchen. Totally. Yeah, it's a good point. It's a very good tip. All right, next one on the list, uh, in a a mistake that has been made by Tony a lot is being too trendy. (laughs) I have, uh, I have, we we have this argument all the time. I've recently fixed my last too trendy mistake (laughs) and now it is uh, back to normal again. Your whole house is now a shiplap? Is that? Uh, no, Corey likes to, to, um, rib me about, uh, well, specific, just one item in particular. There's, yeah, there's yeah. many of them. The vessel sink. Yeah. One item in particular, the vessel sink, which, uh, ultimately we, we had to take out be- when we replaced the flooring in the house, we pulled that out, and put in there a normal vanity that looks very normal. <laughs> and if I didn't mention it, it's normal and I actually love it. So, yeah, I just think that I, I, I don't love really, really trendy design things i like more classic that's just my opinion you can do whatever you want but if you in my opinion if you go way too trendy you will be tired of it a lot faster you know what i'm saying yeah like if you did your whole house in shiplap yeah and in a few years when shiplap is super passe (laughs) and everybody hates it you're gonna be looking at all that shiplap going dang yeah why did i do all this shiplap yeah. You know, and it's it's actually stood the test of time. It's gone uh, a lot of people have been using that for a long time now, but it's just one of those things that's super trendy. And if you want to jump on, go ahead, but I is feel it like- hard to tell what's too trendy and what's just the normal amount of trendy? I mean, when you're thinking about something like, "Boy, that looks great. I think I'd like to do that." How do you determine? Do you Google it? Is this too trendy? Is it something that just came on recently and and um, you're, you've seen it a couple of times, but not very many. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Or are you saying anything new that's not traditional is there's has the potential to be too trendy? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it kind of goes over that form and function thing. You know, like I always look at something and go, is that, you know, very functional? Like a vessel sink. Vessel sinks are weird. You know, they're, they're hard to clean. You know, you got to kind of clean around them. They're just they're, they're oddly shaped. It, to me, that's one of those things that people are going to be tired of. You know, I I don't like them because they're they're just weird. So something like that, I feel, is a trend that is going to be not so cool. Carpet on the walls. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know. There's all kinds of things. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah, well, I get it though. Uh, you know, if you're making your remodel decisions from a magazine, right? There's a chance you need to be careful. And make sure what you're choosing is is going to still be around in 20 years, right? When your yeah. house goes up for sale. And ultimately, it's whatever you want. But in my opinion, I wouldn't jump on the latest, greatest trend and, and knock it out. Because trends like that change very, very rapidly. Yeah, have a tendency to... Especially if you're doing something on a budget. Reduce the resale value of your home going forward if somebody feels like they need to change it. Right. Um, All right, here's another one. Selecting appliances last. You want to choose your appliances first to make sure that when you're doing your remodel, so you're doing your kitchen remodel, you want to make sure that the appliances that you're designing your kitchen around your appliances, 
They're all different sizes, especially if you, you know, like counter depth or width, height, depth of, of kitchen uh, um, refrigerators, sinks. You know, your countertops all have to be designed around the sinks and your stove, if it sets in or if it's an oven or if it's all of those things. So you don't want to wait too long. You want to make sure that you have your appliances on site. We actually recently uh, released a video. I don't know if it's released or not. We recently shot a video um, installing cabinets in a kitchen. It was a remodel. It's an older home, but we were installing cabinets in the kitchen. And uh, I remember when we first started to set the cabinets, the first thing we needed to know was, well, how wide is this appliance? How wide is that appliance? Because we were putting two cabinets, separating them and anchoring them to the wall and to the floor, and they needed to fit the appliance exactly. Fortunately, we had the appliances on hand. Right. We were Throw able to tape on it. measure it and write it on the wall and measure it again and double check it on the wall before we installed the appliances, make sure, or before we installed the cabinets, make sure everything was going to fit right. So that's a great tip. Yeah. And, but again, the next mistake is buying materials too early. You know, you don't want to jump in and buy all of your materials before your plans are finalized. <laughs> Where are you going to store your refrigerator, your stove, your dishwasher? Yeah, you got to think microwave. about that stuff. Yeah. And, or or if you bought a uh, an appliance and you're like, "Oh man, I'm this refrigerator, it's what I want. It's uh it's amazing. It's I'm getting a great sale. deal on it. Yeah. I'm just going to buy it, put it in the garage, and we'll start the remodel next summer." And then next thing you know, you're, you've been holding on to that thing for 18 months, and then you get going, and it doesn't even fit. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I actually have seen on many times on Craigslist in, you know, different places like that where people are selling appliances brand new because well, we couldn't use it. I mean, if you go on and look, there's tons. It happens all the time. Yeah. So that's one of those instances where people went out and just jumped in, bought it maybe too early. They didn't have the right measurements or have gone in and bought tons of tile. Oh, this is the tile. This is what we're putting all everywhere, and it just doesn't work. Yeah, there's also a possibility you could buy a new refrigerator for your remodel, and then 18 months later when you go to install it, you realize that the the refrigerators they're selling now have TVs in them, and they, <laughs> talk, to, and they talk to you. <laughs> you plug it in, and the, the ice maker's already broke because <laughs> yeah. it's a Samsung. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. Yeah, buying materials truly, and that's not just appliances. Uh you know, imagine this, you get a great deal on some siding and you're like, I'm going to buy the siding now, get it delivered. I have the money to pay for it, uh, but I can't start the project until spring because I don't want to be reciting my house in the winter. Oh, where are you going to store? Are you going to put it in the garage where you normally park your car? Or are you going to put it outside? Is it going to be covered? Do you it's have all, to wrap it in a tarp? It's all crusty and moldy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, you think about those things uh, because oftentimes the the original start date for your project gets pushed for one reason or another and if you've already got the product sitting on hand you could be babysitting it for a long time we got to take another quick break don't go away we'll be right back you're listening to the weekend warriors home improvement show built by par lumber now here's tony and Corey. Hey, welcome back to the Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show. Thanks for staying with us. Hey, if you haven't already, go check out our Facebook and Instagram pages. We are at WW Home Show. 
Uh, also, go, if you wouldn't mind, go check out our YouTube channel. We are YouTube forward slash WW Home Show. And uh, follow our page there and subscribe. Uh, we put up videos all the time. We'd really like it if you checked them out. Uh, so today we're talking about the biggest mistakes DIYers make. And next up on the list, if you're doing a remodel where you're doing flooring or anything, <laughs> you know, doing flooring or doing roofing or doing tile is not ordering enough. Always get a little bit extra. Not a ton, but a small percentage, especially with flooring. Like if you're doing LVT or laminate or hardwood, whatever you're getting, there is going to be a small amount of waste. Pieces that you cut that you can't use again or use somewhere else in the project. It's just going to happen. And if you order just exactly enough, when you go to the store to buy more, it could potentially be in a different lot. And what I mean by that is it was manufactured at a different time. When you buy these sorts of products, they come in what's called lots where they they manufacture them all with the same sort of materials. They put them together and they bundle them in pallets or whatever, and it's called a lot. And then you come back and you get a different lot that's slightly different color. And it can completely throw off your whole project. Here's another trap that people will fall into right along the same lines. Lot, lot numbers is, is one. Here's another one. When you go out to buy materials for a project, you're always looking for the good deal. And if you go and you're looking at flooring and you find one that's, hey, it's discontinued, right? There's enough here to do my job and I'm getting it at a discounted rate because it's discontinued. What a great opportunity. And I'm not disagreeing with that. It is a great opportunity. But if you don't buy extra and you do your floor and you're short and you go back to get more and they're like, oh, yeah, we sold you the last of what we had <laughs> and gone. you can't get it anywhere else because it's discontinued. I mean, this is a trap that I could have fallen in. I actually did buy enough, but barely when I went, when I decided I wanted to do another room and I went back, they didn't have more. So that was not an opportunity for me. Now I'm doing another room and it's got a contrast because what I wanted was no longer there. So there is, you know, there's a pitfall there when you're buying discontinued products. Make sure that you buy plenty. At least I was able to finish the project and it was just barely. Yeah, I remember that. That was, uh, anyway, that's a good tip because uh, that happens to a lot of people. They just, they measure something out and they go to the store and they're like, waste. That's wasteful. I don't yeah. want to yeah. order 20% extra. And here's something else. When you're working on a project and you're running to getting to the point where you're coming to the end of the product you have and you're not sure it's going to make it all the way to the end of the project, you know what you do? You start to compromise. Then you reach down and you grab that 16-inch piece and you find a spot for it. Oh, well, we can put it here. You won't be able to notice that so much. <laughs> or you've got four rows of 16-inch pieces, one after another. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, You when you are running low on on product, you start to com make compromises so that you're sure that you get to the finish, uh, the finish line. And uh, that, that can be a bummer after the project is over. Yeah, I'll tell you one thing. like Products like LVT or composite, they're all the same length. They're all the same. But if you get engineered hardwoods or real hardwoods, they are random. They're nested, yeah. You'll get pieces that are four to five inches, six inches long, all the way to whatever length, six feet. You know, so... Got to keep that in mind. You don't want to keep all those shorts till the very end. Right. Because it will bite you. Unless you bought enough and that's all going to be, you know, that's going to be your extra footage. Right. So, yeah, that's a, that's a really good tip. Uh, next 
would be not considering workflow. And what I mean by that is order of operations. Tony and I have talked about this show many, many times where if you start a project, you don't want to, you know, demo and then immediately jump in and do the flooring. You know, you get all your flooring done. Yeah. And then you're like, oh, shoot, I got to cut out a bunch of flooring because I got to install the cabinets or, you know, I got to do this and all that's going to get damaged. You know, consider it's like painting the ceiling and then the walls. You don't want to paint the walls and then the ceiling. Right. You know, you want to do things in an order of operations that will be the most efficient and save you money so that you don't have to redo things down the road. Yeah. So I actually have had this conversation many times with my wife where she wants to do like a project. I'll say, now let's leave that for now because I want to do this. And if we do that, then we have to tear that out when we do this. Right. So have you found yourself in the situation where you didn't think it through all the way? You went through the project and then you find yourself having to of course. go extra steps later. Of course. You know, this just happened to me recently when I replaced the floor in my kitchen due to water damage. And uh, and I had decided when I put the floor down last time, you helped me, mm-hmm. we didn't have cabinets. We did all of the flooring first. We floored the entire first floor. And then when cabinets got there, we set the cabinets on top of the flooring. Now, that was a decision that I made. I wanted to do that. But I had no idea that I would have damage to my floor, have to replace my floor, and then ultimately end up having to cut around all of those cabinets because the flooring ran under the cabinets. (laughs) When I could have saved money on footage and time by installing the cabinets first and then putting the flooring in around the cabinets. Yeah. Which is what I should have done and certainly a mistake I would not make again in the future. Order of operations. Order of operations. Workflow. Yep. Just something to think about. Uh, a mistake. Another mistake is buying the cheapest materials. (laughs) We've all been burned by this. You know, you buy something, you think it's the best or you think it's good, good enough. And it's just the cheapest thing. And you just get burned by it. And I, I don't have specific examples, but you know, when you, you know, when you know, when you've gotten that product and it's just the biggest piece of junk because it was the cheapest and that's what you went for. (laughs) Yeah. So Yeah, I mean, we say it all the time, um, you get what you pay for. And at the same time, though, um, that doesn't mean you go out and always buy the most expensive stuff because sometimes stuff is overpriced as well. You just have to do your diligence and check those products, compare their warranties and that stuff, make sure you're getting the right product for your job. And this is where it all comes down to, you know, being prepared, you know, having, having these conversations beforehand because... You know, when it comes right down to it, and we've all fallen into this, where you get into the middle of a project and you're like, oh man, we got to get this done. So then you just start making decisions based on time frame or how, how maybe how fast you can get something done. Or maybe you'll choose a contractor because he can start or she can start next week versus somebody that can start in two weeks and you're going to pay out the nose, you know, for some of these decisions. So formulating a plan up front, thinking about all these things ahead of time and coming up with a budget and a schedule. Can't say that enough. That's the biggest mistake people make. And we all do it. We all do it. Here's another one. And this seems like a small one, but it's not. It's really big. Measuring incorrectly. Think about this. This is what I do. When I'm contemplating a project, 
I will be like, oh, I think that's like a three foot door. Right. So that's a three foot door. And then that makes that a five foot wall. So this is, you know, one and a half feet here and one and a half feet here. And uh, and then you figure up all the, you know, the, the details just so you can start to work through the project. And the next thing you know, you're getting a material quote. And the next thing you know, you're like, oh, it's in my budget. I have the time to do it. You know what? Let's order that stuff. Yes. Uh. But, but you started your budget process from the hip. Right. You didn't get down and detailed with those measurements and make sure that everything was exactly you thought it's close enough. I'll order a little extra. It's going to be fine. Well, you know what? That's not always going to work. Measuring correctly the from the start, the very first time will avoid you will be able to avoid so many mistakes. So that that's a huge one. Well, or at least measuring properly before you order. You know, doors and windows, especially cabinets, those sorts of things, you can't reorder. They're made to order. So as soon as you click that button and say approve, you've purchased them. And if they're not right, I mean, that's on you. Double check, triple check. You know, the old saying, measure twice, cut once. Make sure that you double and triple check. Otherwise, it could cost you. We got to take one more break. We'll be right back. Don't go away. Home Improvement Show, built by Par Lumber. Now, here's Tony and Corey. Hey, welcome back to the Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show. Thanks for staying with us. Today we're talking about biggest mistakes DIYers make. And uh, next up on the list is ignoring lighting. Lighting, in, in my opinion. I already know is one of the most important things. <laughs> well, I got to tell in you, any design. Your house is very well lit and it's really classy. I mean, your taste in lighting is top notch if I'm being honest with you. <laughs> well, thank you. I really like it. I I do. I I definitely have, would be the guy who hasn't given lighting in my own home enough consideration. Thought. Yeah. Yeah. I have dimmers on every light in my house. I mean, no joke, every light has a dimmer, and it has to be well-placed. I don't like harsh light. I don't like uh, too high Kelvin light. If it's too white or blue, hate that. I like warm, you know, 3,000K light bulbs. Literally, the light in our recording studio drives you crazy. It's hideous. (laughs) It is hideous. If you had your, as much as you love lighting and as much time and money as you spend on it, you would prefer to just be in the dark, honestly. Probably. I mean, just with your laptop light, you're good to go. (laughs) Just to open my laptop and I'm good to go. No, I prefer, I like good lighting. It's just, it's very important to me. And I mean, I did landscape lighting on my front, actually all around my house. So if you're walking by my house at night, it looks very, very nice. Yeah, you can see it from space. I get compliments a lot. Yeah. It is nice. I do like it. And I agree with that. Um, if you don't give the proper attention to lighting of your project, it it, it could very well um, come back to bite you. You'll regret it. Yep. You'll regret it. Here's a one. This is a good one. Small doorways and halls. If you're doing a remodel, you're replacing doors and these things. If, if you come across a closet door that's mm, 20 inches wide, 
um, look at the possibility of maybe opening that opening a little bit. See if it's there's if it's possible to make it a little bit wider or make a change there. Small doors, especially that you will intend that you you will be walking through at some point. Uh, small doors never a good way to do. I I don't like a door smaller than. Boy, I don't like a door smaller than two foot at all. Yeah. I, I don't love a door smaller than two six, if I'm being honest. Yeah. Um, so, but I'm a big guy, so maybe it's just me. But small doors and halls um, really can make a project um, seem tiny, right? It can just minimize its beauty, no matter how expensive or nice the finishes are in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't chintz on the size of your doors. I agree. Uh, next one, skimping on window quality. This is uh, this is one of those ones a lot of people make a big mistake. I feel like they go in and maybe they spend too much money on windows. They'll have the door-to-door salespeople come in and say, we'll give you this window package for 50000 And then somehow they negotiate it down to twenty. But, yeah. you know, you're when you're buying windows, you buy too cheap of a window, you're going to regret it. You're not going to you're not going to like it. And, you know, there's somewhere in that happy medium where you're not getting as much for your money past a certain point. Sure. I mean, they're all vinyl. That's right. They all have to meet code. Right. They all meet a specific AMA certification code. Right. That in in building code. Now, when we talk about cheapness, it's about the the quality of the locks and the thickness of the vinyl and the, the how many window panes there are and those sorts of things. So... That's uh, just do your research. Yeah, do your research. That absolutely. That's not a place where you want to be trying to save money, in my opinion. Right. Um, all right. Next one on the list would be neglecting the curb appeal. So important. At, at, Tony and I do entire shows on curb appeal, and if you don't think about it, then you're going to be suffering. Your your resale value will be suffering. It's the very first thing that a potential home buyer sees. They can make their decision from the roadside, well, from the curb, about whether or not they're interested in pursuing the purchase of your home. So I know you maybe you're not selling your home right now, right? Um, but you will be eventually. And, and ignoring the curb appeal could potentially cost you um, either resale value or even just the buyer that the would-be buyer that would be purchasing your home. Curb appeal definitely affects the the price or the, the value of your home. So. We've also talked about how in a neighborhood, you could be the home setting the bar for curb appeal. If you if you if the front of your home looks like, you know, looks like it needs some help, maybe your neighbors don't feel obligated to do a better job with their curb appeal because let's face it. Uh, I don't, I don't, I'm not going to, I don't look as bad as that guy's does, right? <laughs> Be the guy in your neighborhood that sets the bar or gal in your neighborhood that sets the bar. And um, you might just bring up the resale value of all the homes in your neighborhood. Good point. That's possible. <laughs> or not. Maybe. Who knows? <laughs> How about overbuilding? This is another one. This is another one that takes into consideration what's going on in the homes of your neighbors. If you're in a subdivision of homes that were probably built at the near the same time, maybe even with the same style or with the same materials, uh, a lot of them probably have similar resale values. Uh, you know, it's important to renovate your home 
with that in mind, what is what are the values of the comps around and overbuilding your home and making your, you know, spending the kind of money that would uh, that would basically make your home worth more than you'll get from it because of the surrounding homes. Right. Do you agree with that? I agree to an extent. I mean, there is a caveat that I would say is if it matters to you. I mean, if resale value and getting return on investment matters to you, then that's when I would say overbuilding is a mistake because you're not going to get that money back. If you live in a neighborhood where, you know, granite countertops and swimming pools aren't the norm and you go ahead and do that because you want it, that's fine. Go ahead. But you may not get the money back out of it that you think you're going to get out of it. Just because you put it in there doesn't mean, you know what I mean, the resale value. Because everybody goes by comps, and comps determine what you're going to get. So yeah. that's all I'm going to say about that. Well, how about this How about this deep well of conversation here? Unrealistic expectations. Oh, man. We could spend an entire show talking about unrealistic expectations. We have. This is a huge, huge DIY mistake. It may be the biggest DIY mistake we talk about today. Yeah, I mean, managing expectations when you start any project, I mean, you have to think. You have to think. Remodels are messy. They're going to take twice as long as you think they will because if you're living in the project while you're doing it, you know, life comes up. Life happens, especially if you're a DIY person. You live in your house. You have a a real full-time job. You come home. Sometimes the last thing you want to do is pick up a hammer. So just manage those expectations and try and set time aside that is realistic to you to get that project done. So you talk to a contractor and you ask him how long it's going to take to get your project done. And he tells you it's going to be 90 days. And you heard, well, maybe we can do it in 75. (laughs) And he's thinking it's probably going to take 105. And ultimately, in the end, it's four months. I mean, expectations will take away the joy from the project. They're stressful and hard enough. Don't make it worse by setting expectations that are unrealistic. Yeah. It's like when you call the cable company and they tell you, yeah, we'll be there between two and six. And at 2.15, you're getting mad. Right. I know. You're like, they said between two. They're not here yet. Yeah. And then they show up at (laughs) 5.55 because, you know, that's just the way it is. Unrealistic expectations. (laughs) right. Uh, Another big mistake is working without a permit. This is a big one. Huge. If if permits are required in your area, get permits for your safety and for everyone's safety. And if you go to sell a house or you've done projects without a permit, you have to disclose that. And if you don't disclose it and they find out, they can come after you. Right. So you have to sign a little paper that says, yes, I did projects on this house unpermitted. Right. So just keep that in mind. And if you think you're just going to say, well, it was there when I bought the house. Guess what? They have aerial photos of your property that date back to however, when they can see when the back patio cover was built, when the 16 by 20 shed was erected, you know, they can see all of that stuff. So don't there's, it's less likely that you're going to get away with it. So ask the question at the beginning of your project, is this a permittable project or can I do it without pulling permits? Absolutely. 
All right, well, we've got a literally a million more things on our list. Yeah, we're never going to get through. We, we never. would never get through them. This is a two-show topic or maybe a three-show topic at best. But um, we really appreciate you hanging out with us and listening. And, um, and we've had a really good time today. Thank you so much for tuning in. This has been another episode of Your Weekend Warriors right here on the Weekend Warriors Radio Network. <laughs> Have a great weekend.